Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com. Hey, y'all. In this episode of RDTN, the guys tell us about some games they've recently played, interview Emerson Matsuuchi, the designer of Century Spice Road, and give us a review of Lorenzo El Magnifico from Simon Games. No, Marty, just no. Welcome back to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode number 120, Spice Up Your Life. I am Tony. I am Marty. Spice up your... You have me at a loss. I don't I don't know this song. Neither do I at all. And I was really reaching this time because based on <laughs> what we're going to talk about tonight and who we may or may not have come on, depends on how the jet gets in here quick enough. You know, I know we sent out a special jet for him, but we'll see if he makes it in time. I didn't know where to go with this, Marty. This has probably been one of the hardest, almost impossible titled. I cannot wait. One day, one day, can will you let me? not name these stupid things anymore. Can can I just forget about naming them? Can we just call them? This is episode number 120. I'm Tony. You covered a whole breadth of topics in that. Number one, we have a jet. I did not know that. Yes. I don't know where we got that from. Uh, let's see. We still don't know about the name of this episode. And can you not name these episodes anymore? Uh, why don't you put that on our future meeting notes? And we'll discuss that at a future meeting. Oh, okay. So it is a topic on an agenda that we can decide whether or not we we need to stop this. <laughs> so, so seriously, who wrote the song? Well, who else but the Spice Girls? Really? So they Spice Girls wrote a song kind of referencing their own name in the band. Now, when did the Spice Girls, were they the 90s? Yeah. No. Dude, so by the time the Spice Girls were around... Music had left me behind. Exactly. I was listening to underground weird stuff at this time. So I, I'm not sure. I just know that song, Wannabe, was their, was one of their biggest hits because it was like in, in a bunch of movies and everything. See, I I don't even remember it. It's just, I was, okay, Google search songs with spice in them. And, and <laughs> bam. And, but, I, but I know why you did it because uh, you mentioned uh, we're going to have a, a guest. Emerson Machiucci is going to be coming on, who's the designer of Century Spice Road, which you and I got to try at an event that you're fixing to go to Origins last year. Yeah, and so I can't wait to get him on because this game has gone through a lot of changes uh, since we uh, got to play it as a prototype last year. So I can't wait to see the development of process of this because it's a lot different than what it used to be as far as what they were going to do with it. Yeah, and I mean, I just remember, once again, when he sat us down last year, he talked to us about this as a cube pusher, and that's really da-da-da all you're doing, and we're going to talk about, did we have fun with Emerson or not? Did he give us some enjoyment, or did he disappoint? <laughs> we're going to bring a guest on the show and go, Emerson, you disappointed us, so sorry about that. So tell us why you disappointed us. <laughs> you know? I mean, come on. Let's get... Let's get real here. <laughs> now, the, uh, there's something that just blew my mind this past week. Just just blew it. Just well, boom. All right. I'm ready for it. All right. You and I, we met to play a game we're going to also talk about here. Lorenzo del Magnifico. Lorenzo il Magnifico. Il Magnifico. That's right. So we met at our uh, Carolina Tabletop Game Store in Pineville, North Carolina. Plug. Anyway. <laughs> 
<laughs> do we get anything for that? I'm just curious. I'm just trying to get is that a free plug. I know, well, yeah, of course it is. But what I'm trying to do is allow us to move up in table stature because <laughs> we're at the table near the bathroom. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was the only table available. And I was There's there early. One big table at the back of the store that happens to be right beside the bathroom. And sometimes when people leave the bathroom after doing their business, they leave the door open. So we get a nice whiff <laughs> of, the, of the what comes out of the bathroom. Yeah. So I, I remember one of the guys sitting with us, I believe it was Mark saying, could you please next time get a different table? I mean, I was there at 3.30 in the afternoon and all the tables were full. I'm like, 3.30. He had just gotten his shipment of his latest drug-inducing phenomenon, Star Wars Destiny booster packs in. Which is drug-inducing? It is a drug. It is that a drug, is, yeah. It is uh, some, so something-inducing. Yeah, money-spending-inducing. Tony, what did he say? He got like 25 boxes 25. of Spirit of Rebellion, and he said he sold 12 that day. We saw people, what'd you say? You saw somebody buy three? Bought three boxes looking for... The mm, Padme, Padamon, Pad, what, Palpatine, what, Palpatine, whatever. Isn't that like what Palpit? Isn't that what you're in your mouth, your palate? Okay, I lost you there. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so, so well, yeah. What's so funny is, yes, these people are just ripping open these. What are they called, Tony? Packs, packs of cards. And they've already got all the commons and uncommons they need. Mm. They turn in these huge stacks of commons to the store owners to here, just give these away. And in fact, <laughs> Tony walked up and said, uh, can I look through those and get some of those? So Tony, you took home like a huge stack of commons. And in fact, he's showing them to me right now. I mean, it is what? It was uh, five or six inches thick of cards. Yes, I got a... Three almost complete sets of uncommons. Two complete, uh, not uncommons, two complete sets of commons. When you call, think of it like you've got two commons of each, one for you, one for me, and then I got one I need to take back to the store. That's amazing. Out of all of that, those people were just saying here because they were looking for that one card. I'm like, that is insane. Absolutely insane. Well, remember, and I told you that night, I said, remember this happened to us when we were really into collecting baseball cards. You remember they started introducing the chase cards, yeah. the cards that were worth a lot of money that had like, uh, you know, a little bit of a sample of a player's jersey on the card or something. And we saw in the stores uh, where they would buy packs of these cards, rip them open. If nothing was in there, they would just throw the cards in the trash. And it broke me to the point. It's like, I'm out of baseball card, the hobby at that time. The same thing happened with the Destiny. I, I mean, I'm glad these people didn't throw them away. At least they're giving them out to the community, but it's... Uh, and I know we were saying, oh, I can't, we can't believe Fantasy Flight's going to screw up the distribution. Well, obviously they didn't because people nope. are getting a ton of these things. Ton. So I'm glad. I'm glad for the people that yeah. want to uh, play the game. And that store has many, many players. Every time oh. I go in there, it's packed with Destiny players. We have a wonderful Star Wars Destiny community in our area. So if you're ever in the Charlotte area, I guarantee you're going to find some sort of destiny event going on somewhere. Yeah, I agree with you. And I was just, I mean, the one guy I walked over and said, wow, that's a lot of dice. And he says, yeah, but it's still not enough. I'm like, oh my goodness. Tony, you and I used to play War Machine, right? We used to. You and I used to play a, a lot of War Machine and it was, uh, it was a lifestyle game. 
Uh, what I mean by that, it's one of those games you really have to invest a lot of time and money into to really get a benefit from it. And since then, I haven't uh, haven't played a lot. So uh, you and I have uh, two good friends, Joel Eddy from Drive Through Review and Jamie Keggy from uh, Secret Cabal, and those guys whoa, are constantly whoa, whoa, talking. Whoa, whoa, no, no, no! Do it right. Do what right? If you don't say the name of the show correctly, he's going to break in and force you to edit in him doing it. You do it best. You do it. It's gonna. It was Jamie Jamie. Keggy from the Secret Cabal Gaming Podcast. It's just like he's sitting here. Um, <laughs> anyway, he's gonna hate so me. those God, two he's gonna guys hate are constantly talking about Games Workshop. You know, there's kind of been a, a resurgence of Game Workshop in the past year. They kind of revamped Warhammer Fantasy. It came out with Age of Sigmar, and they've been coming out with all these uh, board games based on those universes. You know, they broke uh, the contract or somebody broke the contract uh, between them and FFG. So FFG is no longer making uh, Games Workshop IP products anymore. So Games Workshop has stepped up, stepped up doing themselves. One game that always interested me was Warhammer 40K. Mm-hmm. I've never played a sci-fi miniatures game. And Tony, that's probably the closest I will ever get to be able to play a StarCraft miniatures game. And, you know, you and I love our StarCraft. It was one of our favorite video games, but it reminds me a lot of that. Okay. We... We're fortunate, Tony, and that out of the blue, we received a copy of the latest edition starter box of Warhammer 40k 8th edition, and it sucked me in. We I got it yesterday. I've already put together 15 of the models. Travis, my son, was absolutely geeking out because one of the factions in it is his favorite of all time. He's already get put together 25. There's a total of 53. Gee. We're going to put these things together and... Travis and I are going to play Then I want you to come over and obviously uh, uh, try it out. This box has everything you need, two full armies around a thousand points each, which what I've heard is kind of like, you know, kind of your low level, kind of your basic game. It comes with a full rule book, hardback rule book, dice, rulers, everything that you need to play. I don't know a lot about this universe, but from what I read when we played uh, Warhammer Conquest, the LCG, I thought the universe was really cool. Mm-hmm. The art was really cool. So I, I really can't wait to try this. And everybody's listening. We'll probably tell you how this is kind of going as we're trying this out because neither Tony or I have ever played this game. So we can't compare it to any previous edition of Warhammer 40K. So we're coming in as noobs. And I think that's what the idea of the starter box is, Tony. It's like, look, you've probably heard about this. We've streamlined the game a little bit. It made it easier to get into. So if you ever want to try it, now's the time to try it. And that's kind of geared towards us. So I'm, I'm really curious to see uh, how it's well received. We had uh, talked about a great community we have here for Star Wars Destiny. And another one of our local game stores, your local game store, free plug has a huge Warhammer 40K group that plays there weekly. So I'm really interested to see how they take this 8th edition also. The thing about War Machine was, the reason why it was, you know, like you said, a lifestyle game, you know, I really enjoyed playing it, but it was killing me in time because we would go play and we'd disappear for days, it seemed like, even though it was like eight hours, it seemed like days. I have no interest in competitive play. I think in War Machine, you and I were actually going to tournaments and stuff. I really don't want to get into that because I know that's just something I can't enjoy. But here's the thing. Uh, it's one of those things that me and my son enjoy. He and I have sat uh, downstairs in the basement two hours last night, two hours tonight, 
just sitting there putting together models, talking, listening to music. It's, it was just a great kind of father son time and Aww. just kind of enjoying doing, doing the little crafty stuff. So, uh, you know, I really enjoyed just sitting here, sitting down there and, and playing and doing that stuff with him. So, uh, if anything, it's, it's a great way to bring me and my son together who really enjoys gaming, but is really more into RPGs and miniatures than he is in the board game. So I'll come into his world for a little bit. Okay. Well, I mean, I'll be interested to hear how long a game lasts, how hard the rules are along those lines. So I thought maybe cause you know, privateer press, just released a whole bunch of new models, a bunch of new gargantuans out there. When I saw the new Trollblood figure, he's got a ship on his back. He's rising from the sea. I was like, oh, man, he looks gorgeous. And then I saw the price tag and said, my gosh, I'm so glad I'm not in that. <laughs> anymore because wow but he looks so good i still love war machine i, I love that you. universe i love the models that they have they put out some gorgeous models and it's really interesting to compare these two because war machine you know all the pieces came separately so you just put them together in games workshop they're all on sprues and while people have been used to dealing with sprues forever i wasn't mm-hmm. so i'm not used to clipping out the little pieces and putting them together but i will say this they did a fantastic job of assembly where everything has a little notch in a place that it goes i mean everything fits together perfectly where some of the pieces you almost don't need glue they almost snap fit kudos to them for that they did a, a really good job with that so anyway I've stepped my toe into Warhammer 40k and uh, you and I can play and we can talk about it later on, but I'm, I'm really curious to see about how this works. And now I can sit down and talk to Joel and Eddie about it. And while they're talking, they won't be talking over my head. You mean Joel and Eddie or Joel and Jamie? Joel and Eddie. That, that was really good, Marty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cut. Redo. That means I can sit down and listen to Jamie and Joel talk about it and it won't feel like it's going over my head. Yeah, JJ. So anyway, JJ. JJ. <laughs> One of the games that I really enjoyed from that was from our good buddies, the Stadler brothers, you know. The Sadler? Sadler. We'll see the Stadler. Oh, my gosh. So, anyway, they had that great game that, unfortunately, you know, the Warhammer game quickly came to demise there, that card game that we hoped they would resurrect. Where this is going, because you always wonder where the heck I'm going, is because the Sadlers have a new Kickstarter. And the only reason why I'm bringing this up, guys, not because I want you to go out and back their new Kickstarter. Lord knows I would not tell you to go out and check out Street Masters. I would not tell you to do that. But I would tell you to go out and watch a very embarrassing video of me (laughs) trying to talk about it. Marty, I applaud you. I commend you on your attempts with the Dice Tower. When I finish that up, I'm like, this sucks. I don't want to do this. <laughs> On our YouTube channel, Tony made a preview uh, video for Street Masters. Uh-huh. And I'll just say this. If you have to sit through that, then you should go back that Kickstarter for, for sitting through that. Oh, man. But I do think if I, I'm going to keep using the whiteboard. I like that. I like the whiteboard. I like it. I like the way it looks. I like the whiteboard. I like the ability to walk on. Now, it took me forever to clean it, but that's okay. That's beside the point. What was so funny is when you said, hey, could you take a look at this and see what you think? Wipe the sweat off. And you put it out there. (laughs) So so halfway halfway through the video, Tony's going through talking, and he forgets to edit out a part where he just stops and stares at the camera and starts wiping his brow like he's sweating. And he's just standing there. Oh I should have kept that one little segment and posted it somewhere. Oh, it was so funny. Oh, yeah. oh it's a good thing that you, you can't you can't jiff in over a whiteboard. You know, like. Oh, but I mean, oh, you, you missed the you missed the big cutout where I had the towel. 
and I was just wiping myself down because I don't have the lighting that you have. I don't have all that fancy stuff. I'm sitting there using a shop light, which I think is burning near the heat of the sun, blinding me out there. And I'm sitting there and then the camera, oh, it, that was six takes. And it was, it was amazing that I was able to get through that. After the sixth one, I was like, I looked at Donna. I said, that's it. I'm done. I don't care. <laughs> I'm, I'm over this. I mean, this was almost as bearing as the polar vortex video I did for Duke. Oh, I was just like, oh, my heavens. So anyway, if you'd like to embarrass me and take GIF images and have fun with that, go knock yourself out. That's over at our YouTube channel. And But Marty, that, that was just tough. Just tough. You know what's tough? No, what's tough? That's all. Here it comes. What's tough? <laughs> Horrible segue. <laughs> this has nothing to do with hey, it. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, Mine was much I'm better sorry, than why? yours. Mine was way better than yours. <laughs> okay. So uh, we got a couple of games to check out. Uh, one uh, is called Beast of Balance, which I'm going to come back to because I think that's the one you'd be really interested in. But have you heard about these series of games called Exit? Yes. Uh, which is like an escape room. Uh, Cosmos is putting these games out. And and these kind of are kind of the rage right now. There's Exit. I believe there's another series called Unlocked or Unlock. And um, <clears throat> so we got one called The Abandoned Cabin. I have not had a chance to play it yet because it's a one and done. And I uh, want to wait till our family can get together and kind of play through the whole thing as, as kind of an escape room. So I'm really curious to see how this works. You and I have done an escape room in a box from that uh, Kickstarter that we had talked about uh, many, many moons ago. And I was, so I want to see how, how this works together. So I'm excited to try that. And uh, I think I have to see. Hopefully it's not one of those where the material is destroyed, but it, it may be. Otherwise, I was going to give it to you and let you uh, try it. But maybe I can uh, remake some of that and give it to you and give it a shot. Don't, don't worry about it because, I mean, uh, they're not that expensive. No, there are, what, $16, $20? Yeah. It's, they're it's a really small box and there's not a lot in there so you're right and there's like three in the series abandoned cabin and two others that i should have wrote down but did not uh let's see so the other thing got this this is neat i had not heard of this this is from a publisher called sensible object it's called beasts of balance you remember that game junk art that you got to play this is kind of like that the but there's an electronic component to this when i first opened the box it was like you had all these really cool like little plastic animals in different shapes that obviously it's going to be a stacking game so it's going to be a dexterity and stacking game but they also came with this little electronic device that required three double a batteries and guess who doesn't keep batteries around the house anymore why not raise his hand i don't this is a little device that actually you hold a piece in front of and it can detect what it is. And then it communicates with an application on the iPad. So the idea is that you're trying to get animals out into the land and out into the ocean, but you must balance between the two. So if you put somebody, if you put like a well on the sensor and it has a little sensor on, so you put it on top of this electronic device and it senses what it is and the app indicates okay you put a well on here and it says well you need a land animal it's like, okay we try to stack a land animal on there and it's like oh well maybe you need an air animal and then and then you put it on there so it's kind of walking you through it it is a really really cool little interactive uh stacking game and it, it had these little games on it like uh uh, you need to put uh, an, uh, something else on there, like, like an octopus. And it says, oh, but when you do, you must touch the, you put your finger here on this circle on the screen and your finger must stay there as you place it so that you can't use two hands. 
So there's all this little, really cool little interactive stuff going back and forth. And the goal is to try to get as many points as you can by stacking stuff on this device. I really can't wait to try this out. And I think this is one of those games that number one will work really well with kids. I mean, if you have kids, can't recommend this enough because it teaches so many different things. But I think it's going to be fun for adults too. Okay. That sounds interesting. I still can't get over you don't have batteries. I got nine volts to make sure I can, you know, put them back into the uh, fire alarms, but no triple A's. No triple A's. Do you not get your Harbor Freight coupons? I chunk them. You chunk them? See, I'm always, um, they all, whenever they have the free batteries, I always stop in there and pick up something. Uh, did you check, you know, in the back of your Zoom recorder, there were double A's at one time. Uh, yeah, and those are already dead, which is why I had to go buy an AC adapter because I never had any double okay. A's. Oh, oh, my heavens. You oh, you are a piece of work. Now, you know, what would be cool about those exit games that you that you were talking about is if they, right. if they would ever design one where you can pretend you're on a train. Pretend you're on a train. Yeah, you're on a train. You're trying to escape like the Orient Express, like a murder mystery, but not really. But you've got all the train puzzles. You know what I'm saying? Sure. You well, you should know. But that leads me to, now, by gosh, a game we got to try out <laughs> at the game store, and that was called Train House. And, but that is how you do a segue right there. <laughs> What is a train puzzle? <laughs> What's a train puzzle? Well, I oh, mean, maybe gosh. you got to connect routes or something like that. Uh, I don't. That's a segue right there. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, the worst segues are when you say it's a segue. <laughs> so, so when we were over at the fine table at Carolina Tabletop, we got to try train ice from Sean McDonald. He sent it to us to try. Now, this is a co-op game and. Just gonna say this. This is an this is a really neat family co-op game. It's not as hard as some of the other co-ops like Pandemic or Dead of Winter, The Trader Mechanic, Shadows of Camelot. It's a great introductory. You got little cowboys that are riding the horses. Obviously, must be fairly simple because we won. <laughs> it's uh, I guess you want, are you playing as bandits? Yeah, you're bandits who are trying because the sheriff is bad, and you're trying to it, the Robin Hood thing. You got that Robin Hood thing. Okay. But my favorite thing is one of the guys we were playing with helped write the rules, Nate. Uh, Yes, he did. So he was able to teach the game. That was really nice when you had the person who helped write the rules and sit there and teach the game, except when he said, yeah, I haven't looked at these rules in like two years. I was like, oh, never mind. Well, Origins is coming up. Cryptozoic is supposed to have it at Origins. I hope they do. Probably one of the neatest things. It's the little stuff that you remember about a game. It's when you measure the speed of the train or when you're going to win the game. There's these little magnetic um, indicators that snap to the board and they're like turn dials. It's just, just the little things like that. I enjoy, I wish some of more of the board games had those little neat mechanics to it, you know? Yeah. There was a little magnet embedded into the board. And when you take the little arrow that indicates yeah. the speed on the gauge and you drop it on the board, it snaps right to it. And then you can, you know, spin it like that. That was neat. It's kind of an, it's an interesting game. You're uh bandits uh, riding through the trails as a train goes in a circular pattern around the board and you have to jump on the train and you're trying to steal loot. steal loot and you steal loot by basically making poker hands. 
Mm-hmm. And so everybody has some cards in their hand and, and the loot will indicate they're, they're randomly placed where it's like you need two of this kind or three of this kind or a straight. And if you have that in your hand, you turn it in, you actually get to take that loot and you got to drop it off in the town, which is your goal is to accumulate uh, so much loot into the town. The, while, meanwhile, the train is going around the town and it can and it can go through switches where it switches uh, direction and all this. And one thing I thought was really cool, too, we did get to play the variant, but there's a PVP yeah. element, which I think would really be cool we always thought the co-op was kind of neat but we thought the pvp would be really cool because you're then trying to steal the most loot i believe which sounds neat and i love how once again here was another game and i love rising him but mark was sitting there calling the horse you discard a card and you move the horse that number of spaces it was like mark what are you he, here's a three and he starts he starts galloping the horse 10 spaces what are you doing <laughs> I'm just moving the horse. No, it's got to equal that. It's neat little things. You are, you, the cards let you do the train heist actions, free actions of mounting the horse. I didn't sound right. Anyway, <laughs> but, but, but. If no, that's, the, it's, it's, it's correct. It's you correct. do mount the horse. But one neat thing, if you leave the horse on the train track and the train comes to the horse, the horse is dead. Can't do that. Yeah, because actually in the rule book, it does say something like, you know, like horses were hurt in the making of this board game or something like that. Really cute family game. So if you're interested in a little, very simple co-op game, definitely Train Heist, Cryptozoic came out. Now, Sean did a successful Kickstarter. And I always love these stories, Marty, when a Kickstarter game gets picked up by a publisher. That's always a neat story. That's really neat. Uh, are they re- redoing some of the art on it? I think we got the original Kickstarter version, but are they uh, changing any of the art or anything on the board? Do you know? I haven't seen it yet. I know they redid the rule book a little bit for some <laughs> clarities, but I do not know if they redid it. They better not have lost those magnetic dials. Better not. Another simple game uh, that I got to try with my family is Honshu, which just now came out from Renegade Games. And this was a game I saw at BGG Con last year that was like a hit. There was very few copies of it out there, but people were just loving it. I can see why. Honshu is this uh, game where you're trying to build a, a town or a, yeah, basically build out a, a town or an area, like almost like Sim City. You're trying to build something out there. It has a Carcassonne feel where you're trying to place things close together to build large cities or trying to build large lakes for the goal of getting victory points. But it's all card based. Mm -hmm. So on each of the cards, there's like six little squares of six different types of terrain. There's like forest and a piece of a city and desert and a a lake and uh, factories and production. What you got to do is you get uh, during the course of the game, you're going to be getting a card and putting it onto your map as a, as the goal of building something. And the only restriction is, is when you build a map, the card that you are placing must be placed on top of at least one square of another card or be at least under one other card covering one of its squares. So basically all the cards have to overlap. That was just a very technical way of saying all cards must be overlapping in some way. So you're always going to cover up an existing space. Mm, Okay. Yeah, and the idea is that you're trying to get the largest contiguous city because at the end of the game, you're going to get a point for every city square that you have touching each other. That's a, a suggestion to each other. You're going to get points for large lakes. For every individual forest area, you're going to get two points. Those production areas I talk about are really kind of cool. When you put it down, you take a cube um, out of the supply and uh, like you may produce like fish or ore or gold and you take that cube and put it on the production. And at the end... If you have a factory that requires that type of material, you can move it uh, to that factory for the in-game scoring, and that factory will give you so many points. So the goal is just to make a really nice city and score as many points as you can. Now, that sounds kind of solitary, 
So there's a mechanic where you actually get to interact with each other. And this was my favorite part of the game. Six cards are going to be dealt out. And you're going to select one card that you're going to put in front of you. These cards are ranked in number from 1 to 60. After everybody's played a card, the card with the highest value will then determine who's going to be first player. So you change the order of players from highest card to lowest card. Whoever has the highest card gets their first pick of all the cards put. So the cards that you put down doesn't mean this is going to be the one you're going to get. Mm -hmm. You could take any of those that were put on the table. All right, so that's kind of cool. But, but there's another little twist. When you put down a card, you can take one of those cubes that's sitting on one of your existing production sites and put it beside the card to increase the value of that card by 60. So now you can change the value of the card by using those production elements that's on your map. But once they're used, they're gone. They don't regenerate. So you have this decision to make. I'm going to put down this card. Do I really want to get this card and use the cube? Or do I want to save that cube at the end for potential victory points? And then you're going to do this, basically play a hand of six cards or you got oh, this is nothing neat. Play, uh, you're going to play three cards, shift, uh, trade cards to the left, uh, play three cards, deal another six cards, play another three cards, deal three cards uh, to the right. And then with the last three cards done, the game is over. So you're playing through 12 cards, count up how many points you got, person most points wins. Super simple game, but like Ethnos was like that thing. It's like, oh, this is so simple, but so kind of thinky. Mm -hmm. This is the exact same thing. And Tony, I think this is one that your group would really like, except, except. You said interaction. Is it take that type of element? No, it only plays five players. And you always look for a six-player game. You know, somebody just needs... I'm not going to say it. That's not nice. Just <laughs> That was my rant from last time. I know. No, um, seriously, I, I, I want to get you this game. This is a game that Vanessa sat down, and when she was done, she went, I really liked this. And Vanessa's not one just to give... Oh. I really enjoyed that game comments. No, she said, even later on that night, she said, I just want to say again, that little city building game was really good. So what you're telling me is like Ethnos, where we both have our copies. Now I need to get Honshu added to my list too. Cause you know, well, it's not like you've played games with me long enough. This is one that I would, cause Donna loves Carcassonne. Loves it. Loves that game. Oh, she loves Carcassonne. Okay. Imagine Carcassonne light in 30 minutes. Wow. And it's only $25 MSRP. So you can get it online for under 20 bucks. Well, I need to, there's, there's this game on fun again that I want to pick up. Um, Sagrada. I think that said it. Yeah. The dice rolling mosaic type game everybody's playing. Yeah. Everybody's playing. That looks really cool. It's yeah. like where you're building um, stained glass windows. Yes. Yeah. That looks good. See, I'm, I'm thinking that I'll go ahead and, you know, go out there. I needed to get to that $100 level. And I keep asking you, is there anything? Is there anything? Is there anything? And you keep saying, no, no, no. But I'm really wanting to get Sagrada in. I'm, now it sounds like I need to add that to the table. There's just too many games. I mean, we've got near and far which I loved above and below. So Ryan Lockie, I cannot wait for us to play that. We got that. I am looking forward to that too. Um, hey, here's the thing. Above and below, above and below, I was like, oh, I don't think I liked it as much as other people. So I want to see how well uh, I like Near and Far. See, I, I really enjoyed Above and Below. Donna really enjoyed it. So I'm, I'm really excited for Near and Far. And also, I got to play, but I, I want you to play it, and I want to do a review on this. And this is Element from Rather Dashing Games. Yeah, that looked good. You brought that the other night. We just ran out of time to play it, but oh. that looked really. Uh, the board looks really cool. It's almost like a a chessy type board. Yeah, it reminds me of you know the Rose King that we talked about that you and I really enjoyed playing. But this one mm -hmm. is twice as long to play, 
because there's a lot of strategy of removing pieces and trying to capture peace. And, and, oh, it's just, I can't wait to give you, let you give it a shot and say whether or not you like it. Is it a two player? It's two, it's two or four. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. One of the, is it team based then? No. What's really cool is when you play up to four, you can play two, three or four. You're trying to capture the piece, the players to your right. So if it's like you, me and, um, Kevin playing and Kevin was sitting in my left and you were to my right. I'm trying to capture your piece. You're trying to capture Kevin and Kevin is trying to capture me. So whoever captures their piece first, the, the, the one that they got to capture, they're the winner. So in a way, when you're playing that multiplayer there, you got to make sure that you're not letting the trapping, the one guy you want to keep from your opponents capturing it while saving yourself while you can I know I'm explaining it beyond well. I'm going to have to go to the whiteboard and I'll have to draw beyond it. Beyond well? Uh, no, it's not beyond well. It's well before well. I know. Well, well <laughs> before well. So anyway. Well before well. But, I mean, it's just that whole dynamic of like we talked about with, um, oh, good gosh, the Frost Giants, the um, – Oh, the dungeons. Oh, attack, uh, uh, attack assault of, of the giants. Assault of the giants, where you know you had to help one another, trying to keep them, or better yet, um, vast. You know how we had to protect one yeah. another to keep. I got the same feeling in playing element. So you and I are going to do that. And we're going to do a review later. Oh, I like the sound of that. I like the sound. Speaking of reviews, Tony, we kind of teased one early on. I say we go and give a little five minute initiative to. A little Euro that we just played recently that uh, I think a lot of people are going to dig called Lorenzo Magnifico. Five minute initiative begins in three, two, one. At Simon Expo, I got to try a brand new game called Lorenzo El Magnifico. And I brought that back, Tony, for you to try out because... Unlike most Simon games, this has no miniatures in it, and it is a straight Euro. Which means, of course, that the person with the most victory points wins. And oh my gosh, Marty, there were a ton of ways to get victory points in this thing. So you bring this back to me, I'm thinking, worker placement. But you floor me. You floor me by pulling out three things. What were those three things? That would be a black die, an orange die, and a white die. Because the value of the workers that you have are based upon whatever those dice are rolled up at the beginning of the round. You're playing over the course of six rounds. At the beginning, you're going to roll the dice. And the value of your workers, like say the black uh, worker is worth whatever that dice roll, the orange, white, etc. Because the main purpose of the game is you're trying to build buildings that you're going to place on your tableau. Everybody has a nice little tableau in front of them for holding four different types of buildings. Harvesting, production, victory points, and like an ongoing point uh, section for like passive abilities over the course of the game. And at the beginning of each round, there are 16 buildings that are put out on the table that you can buy. And here's where the, the people come into play, Tony. Mm -hmm. Those buildings vary in value from one, three, five, or seven. Your worker needs to equal or exceed the value of the building that you want to buy. But Tony, what happens if I have an orange die that's only worth three, but I want to buy a building that's worth five? Well, you better have two just simple workers that you can play to raise servants. Up. Servants, yes. Well, I'm trying not to call them that. They feel kind of bad. Yeah, but that confuses the workers okay. with the family members. Okay, the family true. members of the workers, the servants of the workers. There's a lot of workers. There's a lot of workers. But yes, the servants. If you have servants in your pool, then they are able to go over to the dice and chip little more dips in it, digits, whatever you want to call <laughs> them. <laughs> 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 
Pips. They, they're, they're ditch diggers they're ditch for digging. They're pip diggers they're pip digger. for digging additional pips into your dice to increase the uh, the value of those workers. And, and that's what they do. Yeah, that's the main mechanic. So the idea is you've always got to have these servants or, or workers to be able to increase the value of the die. And there's buildings that will do that for you. So you're constantly, and like most euros, trying to keep an ebb of flow and resources coming in. You're going to need some stone and some wood to pay those, to buy those buildings, which might give you more servants, which you would need to increase the value of those dudes that you put out there to buy even more buildings. Once again, guys, it's a euro. So you're either getting instantaneous effects from cards that you purchase, or you're getting an ongoing effect. I mean, you have to pull all that together to get that engine up and running. Now, Marty did not mention one guy, this poor family member who is wood color. And he is value zero. <laughs> wood color. I like that. Wood. He's just wood color. Yeah, he's stained. Okay. He is outside the family and he is zero. So you've got to be able to use him. You've got to use a worker or a servant to up his value and he can be placed on the board as well. Oh, let's talk pros real quick, Marty. First off, pros. The same cards are going to show up game after game after game, but how they show up in the various ages really can change how things are going to be built. So I'm seeing a lot of replay ability in this game. There's only these cards in the game. So each age only has like the, there's different colors of buildings, of purple, blue, et cetera. So like on the purple buildings, there's only a fixed number of buildings, but you're going to see them every game. So where the randomness of the first age buildings are different and how they come out on the board is different, eventually you could learn all what those cards are. Actually, one of the people we were playing with going, you know, you could eventually just kind of figure out what cards are going to be coming up next round. Now, you could say that that's a pro because you can plan for it, Mm -hmm. but it does remove some of the uh, variability of the game because you kind of know what's coming per age if you play the game enough to understand what all the buildings will be. But the variability is those cards showing up in which slot, which will cost the cost depending on which the dice roll. And if you're rolling dice, they're sucky rolls. If it was yes. me, we're seeing sixes and fives. And because the, one of the rows is, like Marty said, a seven. You know you have to spend an additional servant in order to get there, to get to that level. If you roll a six. If you, ro- if you roll a six, you're absolutely right. So that's real expensive. And then there are costs that go up because there's two other tracks that you have to deal with. You have to deal with the military track and the faith track. And we'll talk some more about the faith track, but the military track tells you that you have conquered so many lands so you can add cards to your board. So you got to keep that track. So you got to move the military up. Oh my gosh, (laughs) my head was fixing to explode on this at times. Five minute initiative is complete. Uh, Tony, we, we ate up our whole five minutes. We hadn't finished yet. We need to talk about this some more. Okay, okay, okay fine. Reset it. Go again. Five minute initiative begins in three, two, one. Before I was rudely interrupted by somebody saying this thing was over, the military track, you have to move up because sometimes you have to pay for the military points. So you got that's another thing. There's this constant give and take. You got to generate money. And that was the one con for me, Marty, in this game was that I've never felt like I had enough money because if I try to enter a tower where someone else is, it's not only going to A, cost me enough people to place my member there, my family member there. 
B, the cost of the card, and C, I have to pay three more gold because someone else has already gone to the tower. Man, I was constantly, constantly strapped for cash. Yeah, but I think the game is pretty tight and built that way because everybody was strapped for cash. So you're trying to get the- I'll give it. It was tight. So you're trying to get the cards that can help generate coins. And actually, one of those ways is those some of those buildings actually go on your tableau that can be used to kick off an engine. There's harvesting and production. So if, if you have a production row uh, that has uh, that you're sitting on your tableau, you could actually take uh, one of your family members and put it on the area on the board that kicks off your engine. And basically what it does is you go from left to right resolving each card that gives you stuff if, if your family member is worth at least the value of the die that's on that building. Again, you could spend servants to up that. So that was a nice way towards the end of the game. You're generating lots of points, lots of coins, lots of victory points. And in fact, one of the guys we played with had a really sweet victory point engine that he was able to kick off each round. You had the production way to produce like uh, uh, victory points and coins, but you also had the harvesting to give you the stone and wood that you're going to need because those buildings are really expensive in later rounds. Right. But to, to that point, you talked about the harvesting or using the yellow mechanism, the yellow cards, which I can't remember what that was. That was production, right? Yes. So well, basically what you're doing is there, if someone goes there first in that slot, then you go to the, uh, everybody can go there, but those that go after you, that's minus three to the dice that was rolled. Well, that really can bite you in the hind end because the cards you've put across your tableau there may need you to be up at the four, five, or six level, and you may not have enough workers there. Yeah, I got to go there first. But if I go there first, then I may not end up getting that really good, sweet looking card that I want in order to go there. I don't think we had AP so much. I just think that we were constantly sitting there really trying to work it out. And we have not even touched on the faith track. You touch on that. Oh, the faith track is actually one of those things that for some will be a con. For some, they will like it. For me, it was tad of a con. There was this faith track that you had to get a minimum up on the on the faith each round. Otherwise, you're going to be excommunicated from the church and something really bad will happen. Sometimes, Tony, those were like permanent subtractors to your dice or uh, there were certain areas on the board that said you couldn't go to anymore. Uh, some of the icons on the board just basically increased a, one of your tokens on that track. Mm-hmm. And like for the first round, you had to be at least level three when it was over. Uh, otherwise, you'd be excommunicated. And then that three was actually worth victory points that you could trade in. The thing is, though, I don't know that I'm really crazy about games that force you to do something or else you're going to be hurt. That's that's me. I felt like it was one of those it's like, you must, must go here. But I'm used to Euro games where it's like, oh, there's a bunch of different ways to do victory points. Do whatever you want, except, oh, but you really, really should do this. Granted, some of us did take the penalty, but those who did, it really hurt them too. Now, I will say one thing about the excommunication on those cards. There's multiple different ones of that, so that will help change the replayability of the game and the effects. But I'm with you. You really have to value because the farther up that faith track you get, the more points you're going to get at the end of the game. But if you pay on the faith track, you got to restart that whole process. That's what I didn't like, but I understand why it was there. And what you mean by pay is, it's like if you give, uh, if you give to the church, your pollen, uh, your marker drops all the way back down to zero, and you have to build up again for the next round. But you get victory points for that. So yeah, way. that that that's true. You know, here's the thing, Tony. I think this is a solid euro. I think everybody that sat at this table said this is really, really good. We like the mechanisms. We enjoyed how it worked. We like the engine building. But all of us said, you know what? As good as it is, 
does it really exceed any other euros I have on my shelf? Mm-hmm. I, I understand that because I, I'm with you. I, I'm like, I really liked the game. I really did. It really made me think. I didn't mind the dice. I didn't mind the faith track as much as I thought I would. I didn't mind the military. Everything worked for me. But is it something that I'm going to pull out over some of the other worker placement style games that I have? I tell you what, let me put it on my shelf and see how often I get it. If it collects dust, then I'll put it on your shelf. (laughs) <laughs> that, that sounds like uh, pretty fair. It's definitely one of those games that all of us said that if somebody asked us, would you play Lorenzo El Magnifico? All of us at the table said, yes, we would gladly play it again. But if you showed me like five or six other Euro games, we weren't so sure that would be the first one that comes out. So Lorenzo El Magnifico, really, really solid Euro game from CMON. I can't wait to see what else they do in this space. Go check it out. Five minute initiative is complete. Con season is upon us, and our friends at the Broken Token are going to be all over the place. If you're interested in seeing a lot of the fine products that they have, and you're going to be going into some summer conventions, you might want to go check them out. If you're going to be at Origins, or GameX, or Dice Tower Con, or Gen Con, or Grand Con, they are going to have a booth at all those conventions where you can actually go see their products and see how they work. And if you're not going to be there, you could still go and see a lot of the great products that they have on their website at thebrokentoken.com. All right. Through the magic of the internet, through the magic of that beautiful thing that we are all (laughs) using. How about the lack of the magic of the internet? Absolutely. The magic of the show, people, you are seeing that the curtain is open. You are seeing into the backstage here at Rolling Dice and Taking Names. Marty and I had scheduled Emerson to come on after we had recorded our show. Well, due to some non-internet at the where Emerson is located, we couldn't connect in with Canada. Well, I wasn't going to throw. Oh, I am because he says I'm in Canada and I have no good cell phone connection. I've got new, no new wireless connection. So I'm going to have to wait to get back to the States to talk to you guys. I mean, and what's so funny, Marty, is when he said that he didn't have, he's in BFE Canada. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking, well, isn't that appropriate for century? Egypt, camels, you know? Oh, that's true. That's true, Tony. That's good. He was not able to make the scheduled appointment to do the interview. But fear not. But fear not. Marty is going to to stand up for both of us here, guys and gals and everybody that's listening. And unfortunately, that means you're going to lose out on some incredible rankums from me. Because Tony is getting ready to get on a plane in two days to fly out to Denver for his big Rocky Mountain gaming festival thingy. And Emerson can't reschedule until after Tony is gone. So coming up will be my interview with Emerson without Tony, which makes me sad. Uh, That's all right. I know you'll carry the flame well. I mean, I'll be in BFC, the C being Colorado. So I know my internet connection won't be very good. (laughs) Thank you, Marty, for taking it. By the way, my rankums, if I could have asked Emerson, were going to be pie, cake, and ice cream. And of course, camels, sheeps, and pig. Then they will be asked, sir, because he's not here, so it'll still be a surprise to him. I hate I'm going to miss it, but Marty, the floor is yours. All right. Thank you. Let's bring Emerson onto the show.
I am so excited to have for the first time on our show, and I can't believe it's taken this long to have him on the show because he's such a good friend of ours, the designer of Spectre Ops, Volt, and the upcoming Century Spice Road, our good friend, Emerson Matsuuchi. Hey. Welcome to the show, Emerson. Yeah, thanks for having me. I can't believe it's taken this long, man. You and I and Tony met almost three years ago at BGG Con. Yes. When you were prototyping uh, Spectre Ops at the time. Yes. That's right. Ever since then, we just like hanging around and talking to you. And every time I go to a con, you're one of the first people I come to see because you're just such a joy and pleasure to hang out with. Oh, thank you. And you always have some really cool games to play, too. (laughs) Well, thank you, Marty. I always always follow you around because I always want to get a moon pie. Uh, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And uh, if you're going to be at Origins this year, I'll make sure to have some for you there, too. Absolutely. I'm counting on it. Yeah. And in fact, if for anybody who ever sees Emerson at a con and he comes up to you and says, hey... I got a prototype. Are you interested in trying it out? Say yes. <laughs> I have never been disappointed by an Emerson prototype, including the one that we're going to be talking about right now, which Tony and I got to play last year at Origins, when at that time it was called Caravan. Yes, that's correct. It was originally called Caravan. So this is a brand new game that's coming out from Plan B Games, which is a newer publisher. Mm -hmm. That's right. And I believe it's going to be coming out in June in retail? Yes. Uh, So right around June 14th is the official release date for the game. Okay. So it's supposed to be a worldwide release on that day. So if you are at Origins, you can pick up a copy there. And get Emerson to sign it, because Emerson uh, will be at Origins. And for those who don't know what this game is about, I love the pitch that Emerson, you gave us last year at Origins. (laughs) So what's your pitch for Century Spice Road in a nutshell? So my pitch is that I have a themeless, soulless, cube-pushing Euro game where you're just trading cubes for other cubes to trade cubes for victory points. (laughs) (laughs) so get this everyone he told us that last year and all of us were like that sounds like the most boring (laughs) game ever and then we sat down and played it and all of us went wow that was really good and we were playing on uh, prototype cards yeah. and you know it wasn't even the art wasn't even done you just had some some drawings of, of the cards done out it's exactly emerson what you say it is mm-hmm. but there is so much depth in such a a simple uh little game now this game has gone through a lot of changes over the past year when we first saw this game this was caravan yes and there were going to be two versions that came out one that had the cubes and one that had some nice uh little crystals or something uh, to go along with the same game but just different components but we've gone through a huge transition so tell us how in the world did you go from caravan to century spice road okay so when uh, this was back when we met at bggcon 2014 that's actually when i actually showed colby dowk from platat games the first prototype of it it was going it was actually colby's idea to actually have two different themes on it he said that he wanted to make it sort of a a market first because I don't think any company has really done that where they've actually taken the same game but put two completely different aesthetics to it. Uh, and not just box covers like Pandemic Legacy, but the, the inside of the game is also different. So, But it's the exact same mechanic underneath. So that was back in the end of 2014. When he had this, or probably the beginning of 2015, when he had this, you know, this really, really innovative marketing idea. 
at that time, I think there was already talks of Planet Hat getting acquired. So by uh, 2015, the uh, Planet Hat got acquired by F2Z Entertainment. Mm-hmm. And but Z-Man was going to be picking that up and putting it and branding it under the Z-Man line because they felt like it makes more sense under their line, as opposed to Plat Hat, which is really focuses on a lot of very uh, experience-oriented or thematic-oriented games. Under Z-Man, they still kept the the two uh, covers or the two different aesthetics for it, and it was still going to be called Caravan. And then along came Asmodee. And then Asmodee then ended up acquiring F2Z Entertainment with all of the subsidiaries underneath. And so there was quite a bit of, uh, <laughs> it was definitely a confusing time. Uh, the former president of uh, F2Z Entertainment, Sophie Gravel, had started up a new company. And in the, I guess during the negotiations, she was able to keep pretzel games and she was also able to, uh, take caravan with her. And I met up with her, her and her team up in Canada, uh, close, the, they're based close to Montreal. And when I had visited, they had some, uh, some new ideas of what to, what, how they could market it. And one of the things that really piqued my interest is to, to make it a trilogy of games. So it's not just one game. So yes, we did lose the, Crystal Gollum edition of it, but uh, instead it it took on a different form, and it was quite exciting because what she had asked the the team and myself is, can we turn this this game into something bigger? You know, she she came up with the idea of making it a trilogy of games where each game would be set in a different century, but it would still focus on trading in the Mediterranean style gameplay. Before we get into the expansions, let's just basically uh, dive right into this game itself. You gave us kind of the overview. So so for somebody who's never played the game before, how does it play? Now, I've, I've got a chance to play it, but you'll it'll sound better coming from Emerson. <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure about that. But I'll, I'll, I'll describe it. Um, this is usually how we would teach the game is that I would tell the players, first off, that there's four things that you can do. And the goal of the game is to get the most victory points, which is probably as innovative as any of the mechanics <laughs> in this game. <laughs> so players would, uh, you start with two, two cards in your hand. So, uh, and there's four different colored cubes. You have yellow cubes, then red cubes, which are slightly better. Uh, then you have green cubes, which is a little bit more valuable. And then finally you have the brown cubes, which are the most valuable. Uh, on a player's turn, you can play a card from your hand. You have, uh, you start with two cards. One of the two cards that you start with just allows you to get two yellow cubes into your caravan. Uh, and your caravan is represented by a little card in front of you with ten little slots. So you know that you can only hold up to ten cubes. The second card that you have in your hand is an upgrade card, and it allows you to upgrade those cubes. Like I mentioned, the order of yellow, then red is more valuable, then green's more valuable than that, and brown's the most valuable. You can do two upgrade actions, so you can take, say, a red cube and turn it into a green cube, uh, and then turn that green cube into a brown cube. Or you can, say, take two yellow cubes and turn them both into red. So basically, it's two individual upgrade actions. Mm-hmm. The second action that you can take is that there are two rows of cards. So the top row would have your victory point cards, and it'll show you what colored cubes you need to turn in in order to get the victory points, which are printed on the card. So let's say there's a card out there that has two yellows and three green cubes, and it'll give you, uh, say, 13 victory points. Uh, then there's a, a row of cards underneath that, and we call that the market row, and that has uh, additional cards that you can add to your hand. So the card that's all the way t- at the front end is always going to be free, but let's say if you wanted to get the third card in line, 
you'll have to put a cube from your caravan on the first two cards to be able to grab that third one. And if you happen to take uh, a card while it has cubes on it, you just simply add it to your caravan. And now you have a new card in your hand that you can play. Mm-hmm. So the se- that second action is to actually enhance your hand by taking additional cards that allow you to trade cubes for more cubes and for more cubes and so forth. Uh, the third action you can do is as you've played these cards, they'll be sitting out in front of you. And at some point, you'll either run out of cards or you just want to take back the cards that you've played so that you can take advantage of those cards. You can take the rest action to put all the cards back into your hand. And then the fourth action is that uh, I was mentioning those victory point cards. You could simply claim a victory point card by turning in the cubes and then getting the points. And then the game ends when one player uh, gets five or six in a two to three player game uh, victory mm-hmm. point cards. And then you just finish out the round. You just tally up the victory points and whoever has the most point wins. It is as really as, as simple as that. And uh, I know that uh, Rodney Smith from Watch It Played has put a how to play video. Yeah, it's a fantastic and, video. Uh, He's, I mean, it's actually one of his shorter ones because yeah. he was able to get all those rules in around 10 minutes and kind of show you everything. And that's what is so really good about this game that the rules are simple to understand. It plays in, I don't know, 45 minutes. I guess it depends on the uh, the number of players, kind of kind of in that time span. But there is a lot to this game because it, with you picking up a card and putting it in your hand, it kind of has a little bit of a deck builder element because you're playing cards from your hand, building a deck, and then eventually going to pick those cards up again, except you're not drawing blindly. You get to pick which card you're going to play. So it's it's a, it's a ramp up type thing, right? So you start out with cards that don't do a lot for you, and then you start adding cards to your hand that allow you to grab more cubes and upgrade more cubes and generate a little bit of engine with your cards mm-hmm. in order to grab those victory point cards. Exactly. So uh, I've been calling it a hand-building game, or that's the main uh, mechanism in the game, is you're building your card of a hand of cards. So that gives mm-hmm. you all these options. And then once you've exhausted the cards in your hand, or if you want to start your cycle over again, you simply rest, get all the cards back, and you play them out again. This game, as you play it, has this really interesting twist where at the very beginning, you're trying to to get the cards into your hand uh, to make a little efficient engine. But at some point in time, you got to flip a switch and now start using those cubes to grab those victory points. And it's almost kind of a, of a waiting game. You kind of see when other people start grabbing victory point cards, it's like, oh, I better do it. Because like you said, mm-hmm. uh, once that last trigger is, is grabbed, the victory point that causes the trigger at the end of the game, it's going to end right then and there. So you can't fall too far behind in the victory point cards you're going to claim or you have no chance to win. Yeah, that's that's. it gives me a similar feeling to when I first played Dominion, where in the beginning I'm grabbing the Kingdom cards, I'm building up my deck, but at some point I switch my focus from grabbing cards to in, enhance my deck to grabbing the Victory Point cards. So there's that switch. Mm-hmm. So it gave me that very similar feeling. And so the multiple times I've played it, it uh, make sure we're playing it right, is it pretty much... Towards the end of the game, you're probably not going to be getting the cards from the market anymore, unless there just happens to be one that's like, wow, that might really be useful. Or like you said, if people are buying cards deep into the market, that means there's going to be some cards there with a lot of cubes that you could pick up and get free cubes. Exactly. Yeah. I've taken, there's many games where I just simply take a card just because it's got three or more cubes on it. And I would like to to mention for those wondering, there is no hand size limit. That's correct. So you can have as many cards in your hand as you want. So there's no penalty for picking up a card, even if you never use it. That's right. Now, what's uh, interesting too, and uh, on the victory point uh, row, and I actually have a question about this. I totally understand the mechanic of buying the cards from left to right. And if you want deeper into the line, you got to place cubes. If you claim one of the first two victory point cards, 
there's actually actually coins above those. There's four gold coins on the first uh, card mm-hmm. and four silver coins on the second card. And the gold's worth three points and the silver's worth one. And if you claim one of those cards, you slide everything down to the left and bring another card in. The, the market works the same way. What is the reason for putting the coins over the first and second, forcing people to kind of go there as opposed to the ones on the back end of the line? Well, it added something interesting. Now, believe it or not, it was actually in the very first prototype because I wanted the players to or incentivize them to kind of compete for the same cards. That way it there was that sense of urgency uh, and players would be focusing and also watching what the other players are doing. So if they felt like, oh, they can beat the other players to get the card, then they can, then they can work towards that. Or if they felt like they couldn't, then maybe what they'll do is they'll uh, focus on the next card so when one of the one of their opponents takes the card in the first column, then the card that they're working towards will then slide into that first column. Yep, and that actually happens too, because you're right. When uh, one of those cards is maybe worth 12 or 13 points, slides down under those gold coins, which gives you a bonus three. It's like, ooh, you know, that does. And then it's interesting too, because you can see everybody else's caravan yes. or cubes they have. So you can kind of see what they're kind of working towards. I've also found in the games I played, you might need to work towards multiple because I've had somebody claim the final victory point card to trigger an end mm-hmm. and I don't have a chance to grab one. So I'm one victory card less at that point. And I, I have found out you almost need to have like enough in reserve to hopefully grab one more card if you're not the first person to trigger the end of the game. Right. And usually when I play, I'll I'll target more than one card. So I'll actually have two cards that I'm working towards. It's interesting. Uh, I believe in the prototype, did you not have camels or something where you could increase the size of your caravan yes there was what happened to that (laughs) well actually through through some development we decided to take the the camels out and leave but expand the initial size of the caravan because it used to be it could only hold nine cubes we've expanded it to uh, hold 10 cubes right off the bat it had this nice ebb and flow where you're accumulating cubes, accumulating cubes. And at some point, um, you have your engine churning, but you have to look at the row of point cards to be able to take them. Otherwise, your caravan, you won't be able to take any more cubes on. Okay. And it also kind of streamlined the rules a little bit because the camel cards were the ones that acted differently from all the other market cards. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And in fact, it was actually Tony that remember that part. It's like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. You could actually buy the camel cards to allow you to carry more cubes. Right. Um, essentially. So you talked about now this game is going to be expanded uh, with two more games coming out. Uh, are, is it the same sort of concept of how the game plays or is it two totally different other types of games coming? They're mechanically, they're uh, quite a departure from this. So I, I consider this one a hand building game. And the next one is going to actually have a board, and right now we're working on uh, the game where you are wor- moving across that board. So there's, it's going to be mechanically significantly different from it, although you still are trading cubes, though. It's set in a, uh, one century after uh, Spice Road, so the Spice Road, the game, I guess, is set in around the 14-1500s. When they're mm-hmm. trading spices along the uh, the Silk Road, but there was a certain set of routes that they called the Spice Routes or the Spice Roads, where the early spice trading had occurred. So we had set the the first game in that setting, and then the second game you'll see uh, on the cover. Uh, I know it's pretty hard to see on the side of the box, but you'll see that it's got some ships that are coming in to meet the caravans. 
So we are taking the theme a little bit towards the eastern side, and the title of it is, is right now, the current title is Eastern Wonders. And instead of trading, uh, I think it's turmeric, saffron, cardamom, and cinnamon, they're actually going to be different goods that you'll be trading. But the focus will still be on trading, though. So that's the common theme among them, is that you'll still be trading cubes for other cubes to get victory points. Okay, so there's still this hierarchy of cubes where one's higher than the other, etc. But it's just a different mechanic of maybe how you do the trading. Correct, yeah. Okay, man, that sounds cool. And then do you have an idea for what the third one will be? Yep, so the third one is set in the New World. And historically at that time, fur trading was like the big um, trading industry in the, in the New World. So... The theme of the game is set in that, and the mechanics, we're still, we're still working on the mechanical part of it, but that's also going to have something quite different from the first two games as well. I know the first one's just now coming out, and people are going to be enjoying that, enjoying that one for a while, but when do you plan on releasing the second one? My understanding is, is that there, these games are on a set schedule, and Century Spice Road is, is going to be released on June 14th. And then the next game is going to be released in June of next year. And then the third okay. game will be released in June of the following year. Or it's going to be around the relative t- same time frame. So they're going to be one year apart. Uh, a lot of people have said this is feels like it's almost Splendor 2.0. Yeah. And I can, I can kind of feel that. But this is, in my opinion, a much better game than Splendor. It's like... I, I would put Splendor away and just play this only because I can teach it just as easily. But uh, I like the uh, I like the mechanics behind it and the strategy behind it uh, even more so. I, like I said, I've been into this sort of types of games where I can teach the game really quickly, mm-hmm. but there's some meat behind it. And it's done in less than an hour. Yeah. That is kind of a sweet spot for me right now. And that's what Century Road does for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I, I'll, I'll go on record and say that I do enjoy playing Splendor. So I think it's a fine game. And I do understand that people do uh, make a connection between uh, Century Spice Road and Splendor because I think it gives them a similar experience. It's at that same level, same gateway-ish level to it where the rules are very simple, but it's got quite a bit of depth behind it. Uh, the mechanics behind uh, Spice Road and Splendor, they're, they're quite different in that in Splendor you're building your tableau of cards that will then make the cost of all the other cards cheaper by expanding your, I guess, your, your gem mine empire. Right. And then with Century Spice Road, it's all about the hand building part of it. So it's not, it's not a tableau building, but it's, it's hand building. And, uh, I think the one key difference between the two games is that the order of the cards that you play from your hand actually have more relevance in that the order you play the cards will give you a different resulting set of cubes at the end. Like I said, you almost got to create an engine. It's like, I'm going to play this one first so I can get these cubes, play this one so I can turn these in for those cubes, Play then I'll have that to play this to upgrade these. And sometimes I know in the games that I've played, I may play only like one or two cards and actually take them back up next hand because I need those again right, yeah. to use for some other reason. So that's why there's a lot of decisions uh, that can be made uh, when you get that uh, card of hands, uh, hand of cards uh, built up. So you got that coming out. Yes. You know, we know in a year from now, we're going to have another uh, game coming out. Uh, do you have some other projects that you're working on outside of the plan B games or more with plan B? Oh, definitely have some other games. I have uh, crossfire, uh, which is a small little social deduction card game. And that's going to be coming out from Plathead Games at Gen Con. Is that a game that I got to pro- uh, prototype last year? I believe, yes. 
Was it something like an attache case or some? No. <laughs> okay. So I know which one you're talking about. That's not it. Okay. That's a different game. Okay. <laughs> I know the one you're talking about okay. then. So it's the other game I got to try. I got to play like three prototypes of yours last year. So I know it's the other one. So it's another social type deduction game that's been coming out from Plat Hat at Gen Con. That's awesome. And it's called Crossfire. It's called Crossfire. Now you've played both Crossfire and Double Cross. So you've actually played two of the, the social deductions. So it's the short three-minute one that you played, not the long one. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, let's see, uh, is Crossfire based in the Specter Ops universe? It is. Exactly. Yep. So they, they've they already been talking about this one. Yes. Yes. So they've announced it. And I guess they've been teasing some of the art and things like that. So that'll be coming out at Gen Con. So I'm really excited about that. That's also another game that, um, yeah, I think it's also another game from 2014 as well. It's a, it's a game that I had shown to a plat hat at that time got anything else you can share or is everything else pretty much hush hush at this point i have a lot of stuff but it's um i'm very very scatterbrained when it comes to a lot of the things i have i I (laughs) have lots of different prototypes but they're all Mm -hmm. in various stages of completion a lot of the prototypes it's a little too early to say you know whether they're uh, going to actually make it into finished products but i can say one thing they will make it to origins and (laughs) Yep. And I will Sign be looking. For, yep, <laughs> I'll be looking for you. Come find me because I know uh, uh, myself and, and some others who got to play last year. It's like, yep, uh, Emerson has a prototype. Let's. And I don't like playing prototypes, Emerson. I'm not a big prototype guy. Oh, I know. Yes, but <laughs> I had so much fun with your three, three or four last year that we got to play. Yeah. and I remember. Um, I think Tony may have gotten to play Cross, not Crossfire. He may have gotten to play Caravan. Well, when it's called Caravan, mm-hmm. uh, before I did, and he merely came up to me and grabbed me and said, "Dude." you got to get Emerson to teach you this game. <laughs> and I said, what's it about? He said, it's just a cube pusher. I said, well, that doesn't sound any fun. I sat down and played it. And uh, actually, I came back. We came from back from Origins going, everyone, Caravan is a game you, uh, you want Caravan. And then it was delayed and all this stuff happened. So I was so excited at the beginning of the year when Plan B arose. And I heard it was going to be recalled uh, Century. And I tell you, at Everybody, you got to go check out Century Spice Road. I promise you, you will enjoy this game. Again, I enjoyed just playing a little prototype last year, and now it's a finished product. It really hits a sweet spot for those who just wants a simple game to teach, but yet has some really deep strategy to it. Oh, thank you. But Emerson, before we let you go, yes. with everyone of our new guests that we have on this show, we always want to play a game with them, a game that we call Rank 'em. In the game Rankum, the rules are really simple, maybe even more simple than Century Spice Road. Oh, wow. But not, near, not nearly as deep. <laughs> I'm going to give you three items. Okay. And I want you to take those items and rank them however you want, but then tell us why you rank them that way. Mm, okay. Do you understand the rules of the game? I do. And luckily, before Tony left, he gave me his two rankum questions, so I have his. We have a total of four questions. So here we go. The first one, and this one just makes so much sense thematically with what we just talked about. Cinnamon, cayenne, or cumin. Mm. Rank those in any order, and then tell us why you rank them that way. Oh, I see. Okay. So I would rank cumin number one. Cayenne number two, cinnamon number three. I rank them that way because that's the order in which I, the frequency in which I use them when I cook. Okay, that, that's that's interesting that you should say that because mine is going to be cayenne, 
cinnamon and cumin for pretty much the same reason. Oh. I love cayenne pepper. Cayenne's like one of my favorite peppers. So I love putting that on things. And then I love the taste of cinnamon. And I, you know, I rarely use cumin. In fact, I can't even picture in my mind or taste in my mouth what cumin tastes like. So I must not have a lot of cumin. Mm. It has like a little bit of a curry-ish kind of a flavor to it. I, I make a lot of stews. And so mm-hmm. I like to add some cumin to that. And also, if I make any kind of curries, I like to add the, the cumin to that. I love cayenne pepper as well, but unfortunately, my kids can't handle the spiciness of it. <laughs> yep. And then cinnamon, I generally don't use for cooking, but I don't do a lot, whole lot of baking. If I did, I think cinnamon would probably be on top. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but you gotta got to make sure to have a little bit of sweet to go with the cinnamon. Yeah. The cinnamon is just way too bitter by itself. Yeah, absolutely. Tony's first question. Okay. <laughs> I, we're stuck on the food. Here we go. All right. Pie, cake. Ice cream. Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah, that's a little bit one you have to think about. Yes, for a uh, so you, you can get a little AP with some of these. Yes, I'm going to have to AP on that one a little bit. I think when I was younger, I would have said ice cream, cake and pie. But as I've gotten to the age that I am, pie has actually gotten to the top. So mm-hmm. I'm going to have to say pies, then ice cream, then cake. In terms of, and it's ranked in how much I like them. Or when I go to order dessert, that's probably the order in which I would prefer them in. Wow, my, you and I are going to be really opposite on this. This is this is funny. So, so my first choice is oh, mine is cake, ice cream, pie. Oh, we're exactly reversed again. <laughs> All of them are really, 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 really good, but. It's hard for me to turn down a piece of cake. Mm. And ice cream, it's like every once in a while, I just have a craving for ice cream, especially milkshake. And my wife, Vanessa, makes incredible homemade ice cream. In fact, we just had it for Memorial Day, which was just recently. Oh, so good. So good. And then I just don't get have the chance to have a lot of pie. When we bake here and make stuff, mm-hmm. it's usually cake and ice cream and not pie. Oh, interesting. Okay. But just out of curiosity, what's your favorite type of pie? Oh, I'm going to have to say key lime pie is one of them. Um, a good apple pie is fantastic. I'm an apple pie guy, especially out now. So if you put the uh, apple pie with the ice cream, there we go. Yes, exactly. <laughs> if we can combine them, that would have made a lot easier of a choice. Could I have said D all the above? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think for most people, the answer is going to be D yeah. all the above. Yeah. Okay. So uh, back to one of my questions, and this is kind of relevant for what's in the theaters right now. Oh, okay. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. Yeah, I have to I have to caveat this because I, I don't have a whole lot of time to watch much TV or movies. I haven't seen Wonder Woman yet, So, but I would rank them... I would go Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman. And they're ranked in the order that I would like to see them in the Justice League movie, which I haven't seen. Yeah, if this was based on the recent movies that came out, mm-hmm. and I just happened to just get to see Wonder Woman, it would be Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman. But instead, I'm just going to take it by favorite superhero. Oh, okay. And I'm going to go I'm going to go Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman, because I'm going in the order of how powerful they kind of are. Batman... It's just a dude. Yeah. But he is an incredible superhero with no special powers. Wonder Woman, yeah, she is super strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, she She's smart. Um, and she can she can uh, block a lot of bullets, but she's not bulletproof. To me, Superman's OP. Yeah, <laughs> he is OP. There's only two things I know that can hurt him. One is Kryptonite, 
and in one of the series of comics, uh, they actually got uh, Batman helped him get rid of all the kryptonite off Earth, mm. and Batman was the only one that kept any. And the other thing he can't stand either is magic, so he's weak to magic and kryptonite. Other than that, he's pretty invulnerable. And to me, it's like that's that's not as interesting. It's like who fights Superman? You got to come <laughs> up with these super incredible villains to fight Superman, where a couple street thugs at least will give Batman a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I recently saw. Um, I guess this was one of the trailers to uh, the Justice League, and it had it, my favorite line in the trailer was when uh, the Flash turned to Batman and said, "Hey, remind me of your superpowers." And then Batman just simply <laughs> turns to him and says, "I'm rich." <laughs> yeah, that's it. I thought that yeah, was brilliant. Uh, but I will say, uh, for those who hadn't seen the movie, I think uh, Wonder Woman just blows away Batman versus Superman. Her character is so good, and they treated her character so well. So if uh, you say you don't get a chance to go see a lot of movies, but I do recommend going and seeing that in the theater because I think it's worth it. I'll have to take that advice. <laughs> okay, the last one, and it's Tony's last one. Here we go. This somewhat ties in to uh, Century also. Well, maybe an old version of Century. Camel, sheep, pig. Ooh, camel, pig, sheep. Okay, why? I'm actually going to ask you, why do you think I put that in that order? Okay, okay, say it again. Camel, pig, sheep? Camel, pig, sheep. Camel, pig, sheep. I'm not sure. I did it alphabetically. <laughs> oh, yeah, way to go, Marty. That was... Uh, <laughs> Figure out the pattern to this, Marty. Oh, alphabetical order. <laughs> well, I do. It's like okay. I know it can't be the reason why mine is because mine mm-hmm. is pig, sheep, camel. Can you guess why? Oh, okay. It's in order in tr- of edibility. <laughs> that's, that's, man I, there's a lot of stuff on a pig i really enjoy yes. give me a good like gyro or lamb chops i really have zero interest in eating a camel so no i've never tasted a camel i don't think i want to taste a camel i'm not even sure you're supposed to eat a camel but yeah definitely it, when we have too many food questions here. i gotta work with tony on that next time we do this it always ends up around food maybe do it at a time after you've eaten oh that's the sad part emerson i i already ate oh and i'm still thinking about food i guess that's why it's hard to keep weight off around here uh, so emerson yes you are going to be at origins that's right yes. you're going to be at gen con yes i will be at gen con as well now will you have uh your own booth nasca games or were you going to be sitting in with plan b or somebody else actually for origins i will be at the plan b booth for gen con i will probably be splitting my time between uh plan b as there's um, some, I guess, promotional stuff that we'll have there for Century. Nice. And I'll be splitting my time with Plan B as well as Plaid Hat because uh, Crossfire will be be released at Gen Con. You're not uh, doing a lot with your own label, Nazca, right now? Yeah, actually, Nazca Games has turned into more of a design studio. I do plan to uh, explore a little bit more in terms of the app development, but it's just time has just been such a how should i say it a precious commodity speaking of app development and speaking of specter ops yes so i am still working on that i'm hoping (laughs) (laughs) for those who don't know emerson has been working a while on an app for specter ops so uh for those who don't uh, play it's a hidden movement uh, game uh where you have a tablet of paper where the person who's hiding will mark on a paper where they are well uh, emerson's working on an app so that you can use the app for the tracking the last time i got to work on it was actually in September of last year, because ever since then, I've there's been quite a few projects that have sort of had you know deadlines that I needed to meet, so I haven't had a chance to sit back down and work on it again. So, but I'm hoping, so hopefully soon. 
they'll be able to get to work on it. Uh, it's close. I mean, in terms of the development, mo- a majority of the development has been already been done. Uh, it just needs finalization and getting the last few features and um, implementing some of the things that haven't been implemented yet. But it's it's on its way. <laughs> it's all it's all I could say. I know a lot of people have been excited to uh, to get that, and I think it also breathes the new life into Specter Ops. It'd be really cool, and maybe a stretch to when you release Crossfire, since this is in the same universe. Oh, by the way, here's an app to go along with uh, Specter Ops. So <laughs> maybe maybe that's too that's too soon because uh, I know in software development stuff takes a while. But anyway, I'm glad to see it's or hear that it's still being worked on because I think that that'll be really good. Emerson, for people who want to follow you on uh, social medias and stuff, how can they find you okay so i'm on twitter at nasca games and on facebook uh just facebook slash uh, nasca games if you're at uh, either the conventions go find emerson and like i said if emerson says taps you on the shoulder go um i got a prototype are you interested just say yes trust me the the prototypes i've played from emerson have been century it's been specter ops Plus the game that's getting ready to come out. So if he's showing a prototype, there's a good chance you might see it in the future. And it's usually really well done. Emerson has been so great having you on the show. I can't believe it's taking this long, but I'm glad it finally happened. Yes, thank you. Um, it's it's such a pleasure to be on and uh, to do this podcast with you. I'm really, really uh, excited about meeting up with you at Origins. And and Gen Con as well? Uh, yes, and and at Gen Con. Excellent. And even though Tony is somewhere in the mountains of Colorado <laughs> uh, enjoying himself, I'd much rather be sitting here talking to my buddy Emerson. So, ha, Tony, take that. <laughs> <laughs> Emerson, thanks again for coming no, on. Thank you again, Marty. This has been great. With con season upon us, be sure to go check out Portal's booth and irritate Chevy Dodd. He should be there. He should be demoing and tell him Marty and Tony sent you. Say, Chevy, Marty and Tony sent me over here to bother you. And then be sure to check out demos of their games. Be sure to check out. Hopefully they will have alien artifacts there with the increased font so it can be read. That's right, people. They've increased the font. They finally listened. See? Portal, what a great company. They listen to everyone. They know what the people need. So be sure to go check out the Portal booths at all the upcoming cons. Be sure to go check out their website at portalgames.pl slash en if you're speaking with <laughs> I am so glad Emerson took time out of his busy jet-setting schedule and come on the show, Marty, to talk to us about Century. Uh, Oh, this game, I hope it has legs. I really enjoy it, like I said. But is it going to be that staying power? Is it going to be there for us? And I think it will for me. I don't know about you. No, I, I, a lot of people have called this Splendor 2.0, and I tend to agree. I thought Splendor was a decent game, but it kind of wore out its welcome for me after a while. Uh, this one has a lot more going for it. Uh, again, it's in that it's in the vein of other games we've been really excited about recently. Ethnos. Mm-hmm. I talked about Hanshu earlier. I'm really, really digging these games that the when you read the rules, it's like, oh, that's pretty simple. This is probably just a really simple, quick little game. But there's enough meat behind it to where you enjoy it, but it doesn't overstay its welcome and it's played in under an hour. That has become a really nice little sweet spot for me. 
Yeah, I'm sure there's people bringing it to the Rocky Mountain Gaming Vacation that I'm fixing to go jet across the country to go see in Denver, Colorado. Getting all excited at 9,600 feet, dude. Ooh, you better take some oxygen. They have those. They have little oxygen bars, like coffee bars. Oh, that'd be sweet. And they got different tastes. Well, I will be sucking that back. I don't know about you, but you will be at origins enjoying some food at the north market uh yeah well so the week after your trip i'll be heading uh up to origins and if anybody's there please come by and see me i have some little squirrel ribbons that like we gave away uh, last year i'm sure i'll have some moon pies um also and tony i assume you're going to take some moon pies with you to uh denver they are bought ready to be shipped i hope i don't get searched on the way in there that someone gets them with munchies but i won't talk about that (laughs) but I will have the ability to feed someone's munchies. That's my only big concern there. But I'm really looking forward to it. The hiking, the Rockies, that'll be an exciting trip for me. So, and I, I mean, Columbus, what, what can you say about Columbus, Ohio? It's the capital. I actually won't do that. I won't go check out the state capital at Columbus when we're there next time. Okay, you do that. I will definitely do that. I'm going to go to Origins and I'm going to play games. <sighs> You got to get out, man. It's not all about going and eating some mac and cheese. Is that? I know the Japanese place shut down. It did. It still was kind of our standard uh, place that we would go to on the last night. It was a Japanese steakhouse, and last year uh, had signs on the door going, uh, "Yeah, we're getting ready to close." It's like, oh, it's not. I don't know what we're going to do this year. But I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure you're looking forward to your trip. And when we get back, a couple episodes from now, we'll be coming on and talking about our adventures. But our next episode, Tony, is a very special one, as it is going to be the first in our series of uh, podcasts that we'll hopefully be doing for hopefully quite a while from Tabletop Showcase, Mm -hmm. where we will be interviewing the designer of The Godfather, Corleone's Empire. Is that the name of it? Yes. That is correct. Thank Good you. Job. Mm-hmm. That's, that was out without show notes. Uh, he's going to be coming on and telling us all about this game, Tony. And I think we want him to dig deep, right? He wants to, We want to get into the whole reason. Why did he design this game? How did he design this game? Just go through the whole design process because the, the dude's a smart guy. And I just can't wait to hear... Uh, how this uh, came from a thought in his mind to being a really good little game on the table. And for those of you who don't know, since he didn't mention his name, Eric Lang is the dude. I didn't say Eric. I'm so sorry. It's so funny. In my head, I was so happy I remember Corleone's Empire Uh that I forgot to mention Eric. I'm sorry. So, yeah, I finished watching, you know, I've watched Godfather 1 and Godfather 2 to be prepared for that. So let me say that was just five hours of my life. We won't even, that movie is, I can understand why people love that movie. I really, really can. But I need to correct something that we said. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You are getting ready to say that you didn't like it. What, The Godfather? Yes. I got lost, and I think a lot of it has to do with, I couldn't keep track of all the names. Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. There are a lot of names. And when they have that, uh, sometimes the really thick accent. Mm. It was like, okay, which one? It took me a while. You know what was so sad? On the first movie, you know how long it took me to put together that Sonny was Sonny and he was also called, uh, what was Sonny's other name? Now you're asking me. I can't. I just saw. Uh, anyway, anyway, Sonny and then his real name, his birth name. Yeah. It took me forever to put, oh, that's the same guy. That's the same guy. 
Well, I can understand that because they're swapping back and forth. Oh, it was, it was, I, I understand what people love, but I will say like most people, I enjoyed two more than I did one. I haven't seen two in a while, so I need to go back and watch it. So, uh, we're going to be having a whole week, uh, starting, uh, the, uh, June uh, 20th, uh, videos from, from Rodney from watch it played and a video from Jamie from secret cabal and videos from Chaz from paradise, paradise, Joel from drive through review and Matt from board game replay showing how to play the game a deep look at the theme of the game uh, looking at gameplay from multiple player aspects and then our interview so everything you're going to want to know about the godfather you're going to find out here before it becomes uh, available later on in july and of course we will be releasing not on our scheduled date it's a couple days later just to accommodate all the shows in there so don't think we're going to be dropping on tuesday because we're going to be dropping on thursday if all goes well but marty i must say before we get out of here i want to go on record of saying i was completely and totally wrong on uh screening streaming or steaming uh-oh which one pirates of the Caribbean? Of uh, the Caribbean, yeah. Dead Man Tell No Tales. Oh, did you like it? Thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, okay. So, cool. So I, it, that should have been a... I'm, I know we said steaming for me, but this this was screening. They, they really kicked it up. They did a really good job with this one. So guys, don't listen to what I said back there. Listen to me now. Not then, <laughs> but now. So you may want to check that out. So and before you do that, before you head off to the cons, and before you head off to the movies, and before you do anything else, just keep rolling dice. <laughs> and taking names. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out our website, RollDiceTakeNames.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter at Dyson Names, Instagram Dyson Names, our BGG Guild 1589, and like us on Facebook. Hey, if any of these games sounded interesting to you, be sure to go to funagain.com and check it out. Use the RTD. RDDDDD. Don't tell them R2D2. No, that RDTN code. The affiliate code RDTN, RDT23. Oh, man. Three, two, one. Be sure to go to funagain.com if any of these games seem to pique your interest. Or if they didn't, be sure to go to funagain.com to find a game that might pique your interest. Anyway, when you're there and you're getting ready to check out, be sure in the affiliate code box that you put in R-D-T-N. That's right, R-D-T-N. You don't have to spell out rolling dice taking names. You can simply put in R-D-T-N. I think I've said it enough. Funagain.com for all your gaming needs.